So today is the day. It is the Iowa caucuses. The primaries have finally at long last begun. The Iowa caucuses today in, of course, Iowa. This Republican primary is going to decide, well, not all that much, unless Donald Trump falls on his face. The expectations for Donald Trump are, of course, that he's going to win by an extraordinarily wide margin. By the polling data, he has the largest lead among any Republican nominee in modern American history. The latest polls that are out from Iowa show him, this is the one from the Des Moines Register, NBC News, and Mediacom, and shows Trump with 48% of the vote. That is followed now by Nikki Haley at 20%, Governor Ron DeSantis at 16%, Vivek Ramaswamy at 8%. That means that Donald Trump has a 28 percentage point lead in that particular primary going in, which means that the expectations are that he's going to blow away the rest of the field. The real question is, one, does he? And two, by how much? That's the real question going in. Now, the reason I say that it doesn't really decide all that much the Iowa caucuses, unless Trump falls on his face, is because we've had a bunch of candidates win the Iowa caucuses and then go on to fail in the rest of the primaries. George W. Bush won the Iowa caucuses in 2000. He ended up winning, of course. But Mike Huckabee won the Iowa caucuses in 2008. Rick Santorum won the Iowa caucuses in 2012. Ted Cruz won the Iowa caucuses in 2016. Literally none of them became the nominee. So the Iowa caucuses are not highly predictive of who will be the nominee. But this is a bit of a different race, only in the sense that because Donald Trump is such an overwhelming favorite, the question is going to be whether the God bleeds. Donald Trump is so far ahead of the rest of the field in every single primary at this point that if he shows weakness in this early primary, it could be a problem for him. Now, in order for him to show weakness in the early primary, one of two things has to happen. Either Ron DeSantis has to wildly outperform or Nikki Haley has to wildly outperform. One of those two things has to happen. New Hampshire, of course, is much closer and everybody is already pointing forward toward the future primaries. Those are going to be New Hampshire and South Carolina. In New Hampshire right now, the latest polling data from WHDH Emerson has Donald Trump up 44-28 over Nikki Haley. Chris Christie just dropped out, so presumably a lot of that support is going to go to Nikki Haley. Ron DeSantis is running in single digits in New Hampshire. So Nikki Haley is the only person who actually has a shot at Donald Trump in New Hampshire. And then you move forward to South Carolina, and there really is not a lot of good polling in South Carolina at this point. Nikki Haley, of course, is the former governor of South Carolina. So here are the various paths. If Donald Trump wins Iowa walking away, he'll have a lot of momentum going into New Hampshire. He'll probably win New Hampshire. Then he'll win South Carolina. He'll sweep. It's over. If Donald Trump wildly underperforms and say Nikki Haley either wins or comes in a strong second in the Iowa caucuses and then goes ahead and wins in New Hampshire, then we head down to South Carolina and things get a little interesting because she, of course, has a fairly solid base of support in South Carolina, given the fact that she was governor there. And then you move on to future primaries. And it's not clear that, for example, New York Republicans are going to, for example, love Donald Trump over someone like Nikki Haley. Is Trump still the favorite under that scenario where Trump wins Iowa, loses New Hampshire, and it's pretty close in South Carolina? Trump is certainly still the favorite under that scenario. But you see a path for Ron DeSantis. DeSantis has to probably win the Iowa caucuses today. If DeSantis comes in second, unless it's a very close second, unless he finishes within 10 percentage points of Donald Trump in this primary, his path narrows tremendously. He has no shot in New Hampshire, according to the polling data. In South Carolina, again, not a lot of good polling data in South Carolina, but he would have to outweigh Trump and presumably Nikki Haley as well. And again, Nikki Haley has strong ground game in South Carolina, and DeSantis has been spending an awful lot of time in Iowa. DeSantis, has done all of the groundwork in Iowa, more groundwork than pretty much any other candidate. The only other candidate who's been on the ground more is probably Vivek Ramaswamy, who's been traveling across the state back and forth and all the rest. And we'll get to him in a minute because Donald Trump really shivved him in the gut over the weekend. Again, the big problem for Trump, the only problem for Trump is that the level of expectation for him is so high that if he comes in low, you could theoretically have a bit of a disappointment 
for his team. Is that likely to materialize? You know, I think not. The reason I think not is because Donald Trump supporters are very, very enthusiastic about Donald Trump. Now, enthusiasm is going to make a huge difference tonight in the Iowa caucuses. Why? Because it is freaking cold over there. I mean, right now in Des Moines, it is expected to be, as of tonight, negative nine degrees, negative nine degrees. These are, there's a wind chill warning that has gone out for safety reasons. It's zero degrees all day long, and then it dips to negative nine by the time you hit tonight when people finish work and actually are going to go and caucus. That is, if you're a marginal candidate or somebody who doesn't have high levels of enthusiasm, let's say you're Nikki Haley. So right now, Nikki Haley has been surging in the polling in Iowa. How many people there are like devotees of Nikki Haley as opposed to DeSantis' core, which is really, really strong in Iowa, and Trump's core, which is really, really strong in Iowa? Again, if I have to ballpark this and weather is going to play a factor, I would suggest that Haley underperforms the polls a little bit in Iowa, and DeSantis overperforms performs the polls fairly substantially in Iowa. I think Trump is probably going to continue to dominate in Iowa. That's if I had to ballpark it right now. Well, Donald Trump is, in fact, on the ground in Iowa doing some rallies, and it's obvious that he's having a good time, right? Trump thinks that he has the momentum because, let's be real about this, by polling data, he does. I, I have to say, that one of the reasons why Trump is going to do well in states, even with bad weather conditions, is because his people are real diehards. I mean, we all know this, right? People who love Trump, love Trump. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, imagine that you are the king, a king of an empire, and you were going to educate your son in the ways of that kingdom. But your brother was determined to lead a revolt against you, and he decided to send you, for some reason, falling into the midst of a wildebeest stampede. Well, as you slowly descended into the wildebeest stampede, here's what you would be thinking. I should have gotten life insurance from Policy Genius. Start the new year off knowing you found the right life insurance to protect your family with Policy Genius. Policy Genius makes it easy to compare life insurance quotes from top companies and find your lowest price. Their licensed agents work for you, not the insurance companies, which means you can trust their guidance because they don't actually have an incentive to recommend one insurer over another. There are no added fees. Your personal information is kept private. Then I have life insurance. It's a necessity. It's something you should do if you're a responsible person. It is satisfying to check that off your to-do list. A good life insurance plan can give you peace of mind that if something happens to you, your family will be able to cover mortgage payments, college costs, or other expenses. Life insurance through your workplace might not offer enough protection for your family's needs. It's not going to follow you if you leave your job. So you should go buy some right now because it gets more expensive as you age, like today, right now. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies starting at just 292 bucks per year for a million dollars in coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid those unnecessary medical exams. Save time and money. Give your family a financial safety net with Policy Genius. Head on over to policygenius.com slash Shapiro or click that link in the description. Get your free life insurance quote. See how much you could save. That's policygenius.com slash Shapiro. So Trump actually played a video. It's a meme video, right? And he, he loves this. I mean, Trump loves the memes. He, he literally sells NFTs of himself. He played a meme video, apparently, at one of his rallies that the Washington Post picked up on called God Made Trump from an internet creator. And it's a pretty wild ad, but it does show you the level of sort of fealty that many Trump supporters have for Donald Trump on a personal level. And on June 14th, 1946, God looked down on his planned paradise and said, I need a caretaker. So God gave us Trump. God said, I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, fix this country, work all day, fight the Marxists, eat supper, then go to the Oval Office and stay past midnight at a meeting of the heads of state. So God made Trump. I need somebody with arms, strong enough to rustle the deep state, and yet gentle enough to deliver his own grandchild. Okay, you, got, you guys get the idea. Okay, but listen, 
I think Donald Trump did a lot of wonderful things as president. But the real importance of something like this is obviously that if you're a Trump supporter and zero degrees, are you still going to go vote for Trump? The answer is kind of yes. This is the big threat, by the way, to Joe Biden. The big threat to Joe Biden is not that Trump is going to outpoll him by 10 points. The big threat to Joe Biden is Trump supporters will crawl over broken glass to vote for Donald Trump. And Joe Biden supporters will not. That is the real threat to Joe Biden in the general election. So base enthusiasm does mean a lot. Trump, again, he was having a good time on the stump. He showed up in the middle of the night and he was wearing like a coat, looked a little bit rumpled and some people were making fun of that. And no one cares. I mean, literally no one cares. And then he shows up at uh, in Indianola, in Iowa. And, uh, and he says, guys, if you show up and you vote and then you die of hypothermia, it's worth it. He's joking. The media tried to treat this seriously. He's joking, obviously, and it's very funny. You can't sit home. If you're sick as a dog, you say, darling, I've got to even if you vote and then pass away, it's worth it. <laughs> if you're sick, if you're just so sick, you can't darn it. I don't think. Get up. Get up. You get up. You vote. Yes, darling. It's ultimately, we know who calls the shots, right? Right? Right, Polly? Okay, so, by the way, his voters will. Like, people are going to show up for him. Hecklers showed up at this event, by the way, and uh, he started taunting them. See, the, the magic power that Trump has always had is that he's a stand-up comedian. Everybody treats him like a normal political rhetorician. And that, of course, is silly. You constantly hear Democrats like, he doesn't talk like a regular president. And it's really bad. Okay, everyone knows that. It's all baked into the cake. And honestly, his charm is the fact that he is basically triumph the insult comic dog, but a politician. And Gillum, remember Gillum? And good looking guy. Everything was perfect. And I did three, I did three rallies. Go home to mommy. <laughs> so Trump then is putting putting out statements attacking Joe Biden, which is correct. Says, so let me get this straight. We're dropping bombs all over the Middle East. Again, where I defeated ISIS. And our secretary of defense, who just went missing for five days, is running the war from his laptop in a hospital room. Remember, this is the same gang that surrendered in Afghanistan, where no one was held accountable or fired. It was the most embarrassing moment in the history of the United States. Now we have wars in Ukraine, Israel, and Yemen, but no war on our southern border. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. Crooked Joe Biden is the worst president in the history of the United States. And this is why... Donald Trump right now in the polling data is beating Joe Biden. It is not because people love Trump. He has a base that loves him. It's because people think that Joe Biden stinks. He is currently polling in the approval ratings at 33%. You just can't win re-election with those numbers. There's no way to win re-election with those numbers, even if you think that Donald Trump on the ballot is going to drive Democratic turnout. Okay, so all of this, these Iowa caucuses that are coming up, all of this led to a strange confrontation between Donald Trump and a candidate who has been absolutely praiseworthy of Donald Trump, which has raised the question the entire campaign as to why he's running for president. That'd be Vivek Ramaswamy. Now, there are a few reasons that you run for president, obviously. One of those reasons is because you want to raise ideas. And I think that Vivek, in some cases, has raised really important ideas. I think that Vivek, for example, has clubbed the media about the years, and that's been absolutely delightful to watch. But it is also true that we are now at the point in the primaries where people are doing the voting. And so over the weekend, a big mistake was made by Vivek, and Trump absolutely clobbered him. So Vivek was making the case people should vote for him in the Iowa caucuses. The problem, of course, is that Trump is actually in the Iowa caucuses. And you can vote for Trump. And so the question is, why are you in the race? If you think that Trump is so unbelievably great, and if 
Your entire role in the race is to defend Trump. Why are you here? You should drop out now, right? You've served your purpose. You've been a stalking horse for the Trump campaign. You've made your points, politically speaking. You've gotten done what you need to get. But but Vivek is still in the race. And this is a point that Trump is going to make momentarily. So Vivek was telling people that in order to save Trump, you have to vote for him. Which is weird because that makes no sense because Donald Trump definitely, definitely does not need Vivek Ramaswamy in the race. I mean, by polling data, again, Vivek Ramaswamy is polling 8% in Iowa. By polling data, Vivek Ramaswamy is currently polling at 4% in New Hampshire. So no, Donald Trump does not need Vivek Ramaswamy in the race in any way, shape or form. And again, listen, it's, it's if he wants to stay in the race, he totally can. It's a free country. But he's obviously not going to be the nominee this time for sure. And again, it's a very weird campaign that you're running where you're literally saying that the guy who's on the other side of the stage is the best president of your lifetime and you have no critiques for him, but you're still in the race. So here's Vivek making a weird case and then Trump just clobbering him. It's about this country. You want to save you want to save Trump, you vote for me. I'm telling yeah. you that. You have you vote for Trump. You're sending He's him a sledgehammer. No, but you're sending him to his own demise. You're falling into the trap that not only a country's falling in that he's falling. You want to save Trump, you vote for me. I need your support of the Iowa caucus. That's a good argument. That's it's, a good it, argument. It's, it's not an argument, it's the truth. Do the right thing for him and for this country. That's what I'm asking you for. I will consider. Thank you. That's okay, I'm, I'm sorry that makes... So the reason he's saying this is he's saying that Trump is going to get convicted of a crime and then he's going to lose. So better that you should nominate me and then I will save Trump by pardoning him. That is such an unbelievable blank shot because Trump is again in the driver's seat in this race. We'll get to more on this in just one moment. First, let's say you were a duke of an intergalactic house and one day your emperor decided to give you an additional desert planet to rule. Well, you'd probably think that sounds like an amazing gift. Wrong you are, because that same emperor decided to blindside you and murder you in your sleep. Pretty sure Duke Leto really wished he had some life insurance the moment that hunter-seeker pierced his body. No one likes to talk about life insurance, but it's incredibly important and you need to include it in your financial planning this year. Start shopping now with Policy Genius. Find the right policy to protect your family today. Give yourself the peace of mind that comes with knowing that if something were to happen to you, your family can cover all their expenses while getting back on their feet. Policy Genius's technology makes comparing life insurance quotes from America's top insurers easy. Just a few clicks. You already have a life insurance policy through work, but that might not be enough. And if you move jobs, then it doesn't follow you. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies starting at just 292 bucks per year for a million dollars in coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Policy Genius has licensed agents who can help you find the best fit for your needs. When they make it this easy, there really is not an excuse not to do it. Save time, money, provide your family financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head on over to policygenius.com slash Shapiro or click that link in the description. Get your free life insurance quotes. See how much you could save. That's policygenius.com slash Shapiro. So this led Donald Trump to go on Truth Social and put out, Vivek started his campaign as a great supporter. The best president in generations, etc. Unfortunately, now all he does is disguise his support in the form of deceitful campaign tricks. Very sly, but a vote for Vivek is a vote for the other side. Don't get duped by this. Vote for Trump. Don't waste your vote. Vivek is not MAGA. The Biden indictments against his political opponent will never be allowed in this country. They are already beginning to fall. MAGA. And then Trump campaign advisor Chris LaCivita unleashed on Ramaswamy on X an hour before that. There's a photo that showed Vivek standing with a bunch of young men wearing shirts that said, save Trump, vote Vivek. And LaCivita wrote, here is a great picture of this campaign's number one fraud. Trump doesn't need saving. If you support Donald Trump, you sure as hell don't don't vote for this fake. So this obviously was very, very bad for Vivek, who spent his entire campaign basically massaging Trump. I mean, you, you literally could not get him to criticize Trump on, on virtually any topic. And again, 
there are many reasons to run for president, but it's very hard to make the argument that what you're actually doing is running for president when you spend the entire campaign massaging one of the other guys. And Vivek can do that. I mean, there is a there is an actual plan by Vivek. I mean, this is being laid out by the Wall Street Journal that his actual strategy was wait for Trump to drop out, that Trump actually gets hit by indictments. Trump gets defeated. Something happens to Trump. And then all of Trump's support flows over to Vivek. And Vivek is basically the catch all for Trump's support. So he's going to spend the entire campaign talking about how wonderful Trump is in case, God forbid, something happens to Trump. And then Vivek is standing right there. This is what the Wall Street Journal is saying. Ramaswamy's plan is essentially to wait it out to take over the former president's voter base should the former president become ineligible to run due to his many legal challenges. This is the case that Vivek was making. And meanwhile, Trump is like, no, not interested at all. Why are you here? Like, if you love me so much, get out. So, yeah, very bad moment for Vivek in the campaign. And then Vivek continues to try to, you know, he tries to explain his way out of it. He said, I respect the hell out of Trump. He's the best president of the 21st century. I've defended him at every step against the unjust persecutions. But open your eyes to the hard truth. The system will stop at nothing to keep this man away from the White House. Which is, in fact, the same argument, weirdly, that Nikki Haley is making, right? which is that Trump can't win. It's also the same argument that DeSantis is making, but they're making it openly and Vivek was making it more covertly, which is why Trump is basically calling him out for all of that. So it's a very weird moment with Trump and Vivek. Is that going to have any like serious impact on the race? No, because Vivek was pulling at 8% in the first place. I'd be very shocked if he gets at 8% in the Iowa caucuses, particularly after Trump smacked him down over the weekend. Meanwhile, there are other candidates who actually would theoretically, maybe as we discussed at the top of the show, if you can kind of see it, like through a glass darkly, maybe have some sort of shot at Trump. Those would be presumably DeSantis and Haley. Okay, so what does DeSantis need? DeSantis basically needs a win tonight. He needs a win or he needs a very strong second within single digits of Donald Trump in order to revivify his campaign. Now, the only way that happens if the polls are wildly wrong or DeSantis' support is so diamond hard in Iowa that it withstands the weather in a way that, say, Nikki Haley's support does not. So DeSantis spent the weekend talking about surpassing expectations. And again, it is true that in American politics, you can be a quote unquote comeback kid without actually winning. This is exactly what happened to Bill Clinton. He was the comeback kid, not because he ended up actually winning in the 1992 New Hampshire Democratic primaries. It was won by Paul Tsongas. But Bill Clinton managed a second place finish. This is in 1992. And then he started calling himself the comeback kid. Right, which, again, that was very weird because on January 19th of that year, Clinton was actually ahead of the field at 29% and Songus had 17%. And then there were allegations about Bill Clinton and Jennifer Flowers and their affair. And then he fell really far behind. And then he ended up, in the end, losing by like 9%. And then he started calling himself the comeback kid. And of course, he ended up winning the nomination. So you could have the same dynamic theoretically here is that people have such low expectations of DeSantis having slid down in many of the polls all the way to third in Iowa, which is the state where he spent the most money and the most time, that maybe if he outperforms those polls pretty dramatically, somehow you get the comeback kid narrative. Here is DeSantis trying to make that claim. So simple question. Are you going to win Iowa? <laughs> but you know what? I, since then, I've, I've learned that it's good to be an underdog when folks want to count you out, when they want to say, oh, you know this, when they want to cite, cite these polls. I mean, I think the, 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 our supporters here, and I think Iowans generally, I think they, they roll their eyes at some of these polls because how you can poll a caucus 
uh, much less one in negative 22. So our voters are, are ready. They're going to turn out. We've built this great organization. We've got great enthusiasm on the ground. Yes, I visited all 99 counties. So that's, the, that's what you need to be able to do well. So we're going to do well. But I'd rather have people uh, count us out. I'd rather have people uh, lower expectations for us. I tend to perform better like that. Okay, so that's his plan. His plan is outperform. And he's making the aggressive case against Trump that, for example, Vivek was not, which is why, again, Trump attacking DeSantis for staying in the race doesn't make any sense. But him attacking Vivek in the race, that makes we'll get to more on this in just one moment. First, I've been talking about my Helix Sleep mattress for years. I got to admit, last night was a very rough night. We had to take the dog to the hospital. Dog is okay, but didn't get a lot of sleep. The sleep I did get is thanks to my Helix Sleep mattress made just for me. If you haven't already checked out the Helix Elite Collection, you need to. Helix harnesses years of mattress expertise to offer a truly elevated sleep experience. The Helix Elite Collection includes six different mattress models, each tailored for specific sleep positions and firmness preferences. If you're nervous about buying a mattress online, you don't have to be. Helix has a sleep quiz that matches your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress, because why would you buy a mattress made for somebody else? I took that Helix quiz. I was matched with a firm but breathable mattress. I love it. My wife loves it. We're big Helix fans here at the Shapiro House. Plus, Helix has a 10-year warranty. You get to try it out for 100 nights risk-free. They'll even pick it up for you if you don't love it, but I'm not sure that has ever happened. Helix is now offering 25% off all mattress orders plus two free pillows for my listeners. Head on over to helixsleep.com slash Ben. Use code helixpartner25. It's their best offer yet. It's not going to last long. That's helixsleep.com slash Ben. Use code helixpartner25 with Helix. Better sleep starts right now. Here is DeSantis pointing out, like Donald Trump's impact on the down ballot races in 2022 was pretty bad. Our voters, understandably, see Biden as a very feeble, weak and, and poor president. And so I think some of it is they think anyone can beat him. You know, my argument on that is, is uh, that that would have been a case in 2022 in the midterms. We probably never had uh, circumstances more favorable for the party. Biden was unpopular. Inflation was hot. The border was a disaster. Crime. All these issues we should have been able to, any Republican with a pulse should have been able to want, win. And yet the Democrats made it a referendum um, on Trump and his adjacent candidates. And there's just certain swing voters that, that just aren't going to go there at that point. OK, so DeSantis, again, making an aggressive case against Trump. Now, the problem for DeSantis, just in terms of the polling data, is that right now in the polling data, Trump does pretty well against Joe Biden. This has been the single biggest obstacle to DeSantis campaign since basically January of 2023. So in January of 2023, there was a widespread Republican sentiment that Donald Trump was a drag on Republican tickets. He'd picked a bunch of bad Senate candidates in the 2022 race that had led to the Republican loss of the Senate in 2022. 2020, obviously he lost the presidency and then he proceeded to help lose two seats in the Georgia seats in, in the Senate, which led to trillions of dollars in additional spending. There was a feeling late in 2022, try to remember all the way back, Late in 2022, after those bad elections for Republicans, there was a feeling that Trump was going to drag down the ticket. And so you needed somebody else. But DeSantis did not jump in in January 2023. Instead, he waited all the way until May of 2023. And by doing that, he basically allowed Trump to define him before the race even began. That's if you're going to write the retrospective of the campaign before the campaign is, is even over. And right now, because the polling data for Trump recovered and the polling data for Biden went down, it now looks like Trump is a cam competitive campaigner against Joe Biden and, in fact, has the upper hand in many of these polls. So that is the systemic problem for DeSantis. Now, again, what does he have to get done tonight? In order for him to be considered a viable candidate going forward, he needs a strong second. If he finishes third to Nikki Haley, I think that DeSantis' race is probably over at that point. Because, again, he's then going to... It's hard to see him performing well in New Hampshire or South Carolina if he loses in Iowa and there's no sense of serious momentum. Meanwhile, Nikki Haley, 
is not spending any time in Iowa at this point, or at least very minimal time in Iowa at this point. She has her eye on New Hampshire. She's already putting enormous support into New Hampshire because what she's figuring is if I outperform in Iowa, let's say that I finish second in Iowa, I was expected to finish third to DeSantis and Trump, and now I'm finishing second in Iowa. Now I move forward to New Hampshire and I win in New Hampshire. Well, maybe then we go down to South Carolina, as I say, and we outperform in South Carolina. And then it's sort of a battle to the finish between Nikki Haley and Donald Trump. Now, the problem for Nikki Haley is that as the field consolidates further than it does right now, let's say DeSantis drops out. Let's say that DeSantis loses Iowa, comes in third, drops out because he has no shot in New Hampshire and South Carolina don't look good. Let's say that's what happens. DeSantis' support is not going to flow to Haley. DeSantis' support is mainly going to flow to Trump. So again, Trump has the upper hand in this campaign. And basically, she would have to somehow hit a 7-10 split in bowling in order for her to win the nomination at this point. This is why all the systemic factors line up in favor of Donald Trump. It's also why the Democrats are starting to panic overtly about the possibility of a Donald Trump presidency. And some of that panic is manifesting in just absolutely insane ways. There's an article from NBC News that would amount to a coup, okay, So if this were effectuated. So According to NBC News, quote, fears grow that Trump will use the military in dictatorial ways if he returns to the White House. The people they are mentioning for possible defense secretary are Christopher Miller, who served temporarily during his administration, Michael Flynn and Mike Pompeo. So first of all, Michael Flynn, there are a fair number of, of serious critiques of Michael Flynn as somebody like the secretary of defense. But Mike Pompeo was the actual secretary of state under Donald Trump. The idea and also the head of the CIA, the idea that Mike Pompeo would somehow be a threat to national security as SecDef is totally insane, like absolutely wild. And the same thing, by the way, holds true of Christopher Miller. Right? Christopher Miller was the former acting United States Secretary of Defense. He had served as the director of National Counterterrorism Center as well. So this bizarre idea that Christopher Miller would be like a threat to the good working order of the United States or that Mike Pompeo would be, those are, those are bizarre accusations. And yet you have Democrats who are already discussing the possibility already of using the deep state against Donald Trump should he become president, which, of course, helps Trump become president. This is the part that Democrats need to understand. The more you talk about the dictatorial means you're going to use if he becomes president or to stop him from becoming president, the more that rock solid Donald Trump base is going to be motivated to get out to the polls and vote. And the thing that Democrats really need to understand is that back in 2020, all the rules were different. It's not going to shake down the same way. They changed, they did, in fact, change all of the voting rules, which is why 60% of Democrats voted by mail in the last election cycle, compared to 32% of Republicans voting by mail in the last election cycle. That ain't going to be the number this time. It's going to go back to typical. It's going to be more like parity. If it's more like parity, Republicans win. Democrats are not going to get the levels of turnout that they did in 2020 against Donald Trump. And every Republican is going to go and vote as early and as often as humanly possible. That is what's going to happen in this election. And that's particularly true the more that there is a perception that you are weaponizing the government preemptively against Trump. It's more on this in just one moment. First, you've heard me talk about how important it is to have a VPN to protect your online privacy before. Choosing a VPN you trust is equally as important. Now, I actually research the show's sponsors because I want to recommend brands I believe in. I can say with full confidence, ExpressVPN is the best VPN on the market. For starters, ExpressVPN does not log your online activity. Lots of cheap or free VPNs make money by selling your data to advertisers, but ExpressVPN doesn't do that. They've even developed a technology called Trusted Server that makes their VPN servers incapable of storing any data at all. ExpressVPN also uses Lightway. That's a new VPN protocol they engineered to make user speeds faster than ever. I've tried a lot of VPNs in the past. They can sometimes slow your connection, but... 
ExpressVPN is always blazing fast and lets me stream videos in HD quality with zero buffering. Not to mention, ExpressVPN, really, really easy to use. You don't need any technical skills to set it up. You just fire up the app, you tap one button, and now you're connected. Even your grandparents could do it. I'm not just the one saying this. It's Business Insider, The Verge, a lot of other tech journals. They rate ExpressVPN as the number one VPN on planet Earth. Protect yourself with the VPN I know and trust. Use my link at expressvpn.com slash Ben today. Get an extra three months free on that one-year package. That's expressvpn.com slash Ben, expressvpn.com slash Ben to learn more. So here is what NBC News says, quote, Donald Trump is sparking fears among those who understand the inner workings of the Pentagon that he would convert the nonpartisan U.S. military into the muscular arm of his political agenda as he makes comments about dictatorship and devalues the checks and balances that underpin the nation's two-century-old democracy. So again, everybody is now afraid that he's going to become a dictator. So first of all, that's not how any of this works. The notion that Donald Trump has the unilateral power to convert the U.S. military as president of the United States into a weaponized force against the American people or against his political opposition when you're in the U.S. military, you have an obligation, you have an oath to uphold the Constitution of the United States, which means you are held responsible for violating the Constitution of the United States. If you think that the military men and women who are serving the country are simply going to obey any president who tells them to do any crazy thing, that's not how any of this works. And again, we have evidence of this because they didn't. Now, this is one of the funniest things about the January 6th. It was an insurrection nonsense. Okay, what it was, was a bad riot, got out of control, when I say bad riot, I mean it was bad and it was a riot. I don't mean there was a particularly damaging riot because the truth is that in terms of riots, compared to 2020, it was nothing in terms of the actual damage done. Physical, in terms of death and injury. It was bad in that it was terrible for the country and it shouldn't have happened. And also it was clear within three hours and the good working order of democracy went forward. So the idea this was an organized insurrection by Trump is so insane. And by the way, if you're worried that Donald Trump is going to be able to weaponize the military, why didn't he do it? On January 6th, do you think Donald Trump could have given an order to the SECDEF I want you to activate the National Guard to invade Congress, hold them at gunpoint, and stop the electoral workings of the legislative branch. Do you think that would have happened? If you do, you're delusional. But there are a lot of delusional people, and they're talking about it openly. Quote, a circle of appointees, independent of Trump's political operation, steered him away from ideas that would have pushed the limits of presidential power in his last term, according to books they've written and testimony given to Congress. Most were gone by the end. In a new term, many former officials worried Trump would instead surround himself with loyalists unwilling to say no. Now, bracing for Trump's potential return, a loose-knit network of public interest groups and lawmakers is quietly devising plans to try to foil any efforts to expand presidential power, which could include pressuring the military to cater to his political needs. Those taking part in the effort told NBC News they are studying Trump's past actions and 2024 policy positions, so they will be ready if he wins in November. That involves preparing to take legal action and send letters to Trump appointees spelling out consequences if they'd face if they undermine constitutional norms. Now, again, writing letters to members of the administration is not a coup attempt, but if there is an attempt to weaponize, for example, members of the executive branch against the president of the United States, that's a real problem. That is the deep state that people are talking about. So the, the Democrats are increasingly worried, and they should be increasingly worried because Joe Biden is a total and complete failure on every level. He is no longer. He's bad at everything. He's bad at domestic policy. He's bad at foreign policy. and He's bad at rhetoric. Those are usually the axes along which we grade a president of the United States. So here he was over the weekend trying to claim bizarrely that Americans are being prevented from reading books, which is weird since I can go on Amazon and literally buy any book I want at any time for any reason. 
Think about this. The I'm idea so old. that you can it be told terrible. that you can't read certain books. This is the United States of America, for God's sake. These guys are afraid of the truth. The speech I made at Valley Forge was about how democracy was at risk. I just spoke at AMA Church here in town, and the whole point of my sermon was that our freedom is at stake. I mean, literally, our freedom is at stake when you were told things that are just absolutely bizarre by a president and a mega Republican far right. God, when he talks, he sounds like me. If you wake me up at two o'clock in the morning, and I've had eight Valium and I'm near death and I have to have my stomach pumped. It's unbelievable. According to new polls, ABC News, Ipsos poll, 33% approve of Biden. 33%. That's the lowest approval rating since George W. Bush from 2006 to 2008. As we recall, the 2008 election did not go well for Republicans and Bush wasn't even on the ballot at this point. Joe Biden is on the ballot. And the Democratic defenses of Joe Biden are getting more and more strained. So here, for example, is Democratic Governor Tim Walls of Minnesota defending Joe Biden. And so he's asked, isn't he too old? I mean, he's 81. Listen to Tim Walls' answer. This is a, this is, man, you are, woo, here we go. I guess the question is, is the campaign taking this issue seriously enough? Do they need to do more? Oh, I think they are. They've got us out here talking about it. And I've spent a lot of time with the president and he's great. We, uh, we're talking, we're chatting and all this. And I think, you know, we, we all get a little older. Uh, that's what happens. But you also gain that insight. And I think when it comes to these issues, working across the aisle to get things done, you see the president just doing this with dignity, doing it with class, getting up every day, doing the work. So I think he's just doing what he does. And I think it's a kind of incumbent upon all of us. Look, my my mom's 88, still living on the farm, drives herself. Um, folks are able to do this. So I think this little bit of ageism that goes to this, if, if it's not, that would be something else. So first of all, his mom at 88 probably shouldn't be on the road. Just going to put that out there. I live in Florida. It's not the safest place to drive. Got a lot of old people in Florida who probably shouldn't be on the road being on the road. And that's aside from, you know, normal Florida man driving. Meanwhile, you have Democratic Governor J.B. Pritzker of Illinois who's having a very rough time defending Joe Biden's approval rating because, again, it's awful. 33% overall approve on the economy, 31% approval rating. These are just not re-elect numbers. They're not. And on the economy, it's even actually worse. Only 31% uh, say that they approve of Biden's handling of the economy. How does he turn that around? Well, I will say, I think your poll is a, a bit of an outlier, but but here's what I'll tell you. This battle hasn't even been joined yet. You've got a bunch of Republicans, MAGA Republicans, uh, espousing things that are not good for the American public that are on the stage now. And not until they choose a nominee will we truly be in this battle. Our poll, in fact, said 28%, just 28% think that President Biden has the mental sharpness to effectively serve for another term. So how does he address those concerns, those very real concerns that voters have? Maybe we ought to start by just acknowledging that Joe Biden has years of experience, that when you talk about someone's age, you're also talking about the wisdom that they've gained over many years and how they've demonstrated their empathy that they've learned from so many experiences. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. They're already writing his eulogies. You know how many experiences that man had? It's not even a good eulogy. It's like when you go to a funeral and you know the person who died was not like an amazing person, but you have to use words that still work. It's like that person lived a long time. That person had a lot of experiences. That person saw a lot of things. Like that, that's how they're talking about Joe Biden yet. It is, it is getting ugly out there. It is getting ugly. 
In just one second, we'll get to Bernie Sanders trying to walk his way through this particular minefield first. I need to show you something. This right here. It is the signature razor from Jeremy's Razors. Behold, the Precision 5. Get one handle plus one bladed cartridge kit for only $14.99. It's crafted with a luxurious tungsten handle, five welded steel blades, a precision trimmer for a close, smooth shave around hairlines and hard-to-reach places. But remember, this Precision 5 is no ordinary razor. It's a sword in the battle for beliefs, a banner to wave into a new economy, and a precision instrument to force those woke companies to earn back your dollar. Also, it's a razor you can shave with it. The Precision 5 starts at $14.99. With a price this low, it has never been easier to stop giving your money to woke corporations that hate your guts. Join over 200,000 customers who have ditched their woke razors and switched on over to Jeremy's. It makes a fantastic birthday gift. I would get this for myself for my birthday. I'm part owner of the company. Head on over to jeremysrazors.com today. Okay, meanwhile, Democrats, again, struggling to muster the enthusiasm for Joe Biden. Bernie Sanders, who can't love what he is seeing in the polls. I mean, Bernie, he still has that hunger. You could see a world where Bernie is like, you know what? Can't do it. He jumps back in at the age of 107. With that said, he says, in the end, progressives will come home to Biden. And that's surely true. Many progressives will come home to Joe Biden. The question is, how many are going to show up? How many are really going to show up? Here is Bernie trying to talk his way through this one. Do you think that young progressives in the United States will ultimately rally behind Joe Biden in November? Or has he seriously damaged his standing? Look, I I think we will see what happens in November because the choice is pretty clear. Running against Donald Trump, who I suspect will be the Republican candidate, is one of the most dangerous political figures in modern American history. So I think people will end up rallying around Biden. I mean, they are hoping, they are hoping, they are hoping. The problem is, again, the poll stats for Joe Biden are terrible, not just in terms of him personally, but in terms of the mood. This feels like a change election. This does not feel like a stay-the-course election. According to the latest poll from Axios, from Harris, 74% of Americans say they don't think their leaders care about them. Not a single group reached 40%. Race, party, gender, age, income, geographic region, zero groups reached 40%. 43% said their lives are worse under Biden versus 29% who said they're better. 28% said unchanged. Only 53% of Democrats say they are better off under President Biden. These are awful numbers for Joe Biden. By the way, Axios has another piece saying that Biden is reluctant to accept his old age, according to AIDS. Yeah, you noticed? That's why he's still on the ballot. And again, he's facing systemic problems to his presidency, including his own terrible policy. According to the Wall Street Journal, they're saying what I've been saying for months, which is that even if we avoid a recession, the economy is going to be in slow growth stagnation mode for the foreseeable future. According to the Wall Street Journal, the good news is the probability of a recession is down sharply, according to the Wall Street Journal's latest survey of economists. The bad news is that for a lot of people, it's still going to feel like a recession. Business and academic economists surveyed by the journal lowered the probability of recession within the last within the next year to 39% from 48% in their October survey. But economists on average expect the economy to grow at just 1% in 2024. That is half its normal long-run rate, a significant slowing from the estimated 2.6% in 2023. Rajiv Dawan, an economist at Georgia State University, says this is less a recession and more of a growth stop. Growth stop is not good. American employers should keep adding jobs in 2024, but at a much slower pace than in recent years. Economists expect payroll gains to average only 64,000 a month this year, less than a third of the 225,000 average in 2023 and far below 399,000 in 2022. And again, one of the reasons that many of the aspects of the growing economy are not going to feel like they're growing is because they're cyclical. Cyclical sectors the ones that are most impacted by the economy going up and down are likely to struggle in 2024. 
So which are the areas that have grown in terms of American employment? It's been like healthcare, social assistance, government employment. The sectors that are least likely to see strong employment growth in 2024, according to these economists, professional scientific tech services. By the way, those are the areas where you actually get innovation. Those are the areas where you get the things that make an economy actually good. Manufacturing, slow growth. Information, slow growth. Healthcare and social assistance, number one. Okay, these are not good numbers for Joe Biden. And not only that, now I think the possibility of another serious, major crisis on the foreign policy front is very, very high right now. And it's going to get higher if Joe Biden is trailing in the polls come the summer. If you're China and you're looking at a reproduction rate of 0.8 and you're looking at literally blowing up empty hotel buildings, this is what they're doing now. They've sunk all their money. They borrowed billions, hundreds of billions of dollars and they plowed it into building empty skyscrapers, ghost cities in the middle of nowhere. And then they convinced people in China convinced, which always has the under underscoring of force convince people to take their life savings and put them in these empty apartments. And the empty apartments are worth zero dollars. And China built all of those and now is blowing them up to create artificial scarcity. China's economy is really not in fantastic shape. China has a bunch of serious systemic problems. One of those big systemic problems is that the less access they have to the modern military technology available in Taiwan, for example, the less competitive they are with the United States since they are falling further and further behind. The one thing they have going for them is a perception of Joe Biden's weakness. If we get to June, July, August, and Joe Biden is seriously trailing in the polls, you could see China make the decision that their window is now closing and that if they don't do this right now, like go after Taiwan right now, and Donald Trump is president, it's not going to go the same way as it would as if Joe Biden is president. Joe Biden has been extremely conciliatory towards Xi Jinping. And so they may think to themselves, okay, we better do this now before Joe Biden is out of office which of course would turn the election into a blowout. If we were in the middle of a war with China or at least a a standoff with China over a blockade of Taiwan, things would get really even more dicey for Joe Biden's reelect efforts. The voters of Taiwan for their, you know, honestly, good for them. The voters of Taiwan have made it clear to China that they have no intention of appeasing them. According to NBC News, over the weekend, voters in Taiwan elected Vice President Lai Xingti as their next president on Saturday defying warnings from Beijing not to support a candidate has called a separatist and a troublemaker. The election, which China describes as a choice between war and peace, could test recent efforts by Beijing and Washington to repair relations that in recent years have fallen to their lowest point in decades. Lai's victory extends the eight-year rule of the Democratic Progressive Party, which is considered the least friendly party, to Beijing. Relations between Taiwan and China have deteriorated under President Tsai Ing-wen, who was first elected in 2016 and is limited to two terms. Voters in Taiwan were concerned not just with China, but with economic issues like unemployment, housing costs, and income inequality. Lai won with 40% of the vote, compared with 33% for Hu Yi of the main opposition party, the Kuomintang. I'm sure I'm screwing up these names, and I apologize if so. Both the other parties favor closer relations with Beijing. The, DT, the DPP is significantly more confrontational. So if you're China and you're looking at a more confrontational Taiwan, and if you're China and you are looking at a conciliatory Biden administration that may be losing to Donald Trump, that may be a time that you start thinking very seriously about accelerating whatever military plans you have for Taiwan. Meanwhile, on illegal immigration, Democrats are completely falling apart. On the one hand, they want to claim there's no problem. On the other hand, they want to claim there's a massive problem caused by Republicans. So, for example, you have Representative Jasmine Crocker, Democrat of Texas, saying there is no issue on our southern border. Here we go. So I think part of this is just the fact that the Republicans have no other rhetoric but the border. Obviously, they 
are continually talking about the fact that they've not passed bills, they don't have anything to run on, and so it's easy enough to run on this group of people. I will tell you as someone who is a Texan, um, who does have communications with Border Patrol, you know, they're doing their jobs. I mean, the big issue is why do we have so many people that are coming over here? To insinuate that there is a security issue uh, in the realm of there's so much crime that's going on that we're not able to catch, I, act, I actually have to tip my hat off to Border Patrol. And Border Patrol has asked us to make sure that we can improve the technology so that they can have better detection of those bad guys that are trying to get over and trying to bring things over. Okay, this is wild. I was just down at the border talking to Border Patrol agents. What she's saying is not true. It is not a matter of technology. It is a matter of staffing. And not, we need more staff. We need to stop using staff as a busing and ferrying service for illegal immigrants coming into the country. Democrats have a real border problem. And if they keep pretending that it's not a border problem and they keep trying to blame Republicans, it's not going to end well for them. And meanwhile, the situation over in Israel is also not fantastic. So Joe Biden does not have any control on the foreign policy side. He just has no control whatsoever, which is why he's been hitting empty shacks in the middle of nowhere, apparently, with regard to Yemen and the Houthis. Now, he needs to be hitting the Houthis. The Houthis are are stopping global trading. They've had a major impact on the price of shipping, for example. And Joe Biden is not, in fact, going it alone. He has an enormous coalition of people, include, ranging from Bahrain to like Germany and France and the UK. But Joe Biden has a problem, which is that he created this problem by being soft on Iran in the first place. This is why over the weekend, Joe Biden was claiming that it's irrelevant whether the Houthis are designated as terrorists. Weird, because they didn't seem to think it was relevant. They seem to take his de-designation of the Houthis as terrorists, which was the very first move his administration made. They seem to take that as weakness, as one would in the Middle East, because weakness is, in fact, weakness. You think that Houthis uh, are a terrorist group. I'm wondering how soon are you willing to designate them as such? It's irrelevant whether they're designated. We've put together a group of nations that are going to say that if they continue to act and behave as they do, we'll respond. Oh, my goodness. Wow, he is just, he is, he is not with it anymore. Meanwhile, apparently, Joe Biden is running out of patience with Bibi Netanyahu. Now, there, this is, I gotta say, this is a ridiculous thing. The reason it's ridiculous is because anytime you see these headlines that are being leaked by the administration about how Biden is really mad at Bibi, Bibi is not the sole power in the Israeli government, okay? It's just ignorant of the facts. There is a war cabinet in Israel. It includes the opposition, Benny Gantz. It includes Yoav Gallant, who's the defense minister that at one point Bibi tried to fire. You see, you're talking about a coalition government that widely varies by its politics. And yet there is unity inside the government that the war against Hamas has to continue until Hamas is no longer a functional power inside the Gaza Strip. And yet apparently, according to Axios, Joe Biden and other senior U.S. officials are becoming increasingly frustrated with Prime Minister Netanyahu and his rejection of the administration's most recent request related to the war in Gaza. So the situation sucks and we are stuck. The president's patience is running out, said one U.S. official. At every juncture, Netanyahu has given Biden the finger, said Senator Chris Van Hollen of Maryland, which, by the way, is a lie. That's totally untrue. If Netanyahu had given Biden the finger, he already gone up north and hit Hezbollah. If he had given Biden the finger, he would not have stopped the aerial campaign as early as he did and moved into ground operations or withdrawn military reserves from the front lines. And none of that would have happened. They would have moved faster and they would have broken more things, presumably. If they had simply wanted to, to do what they wanted to do, supposedly. By the way, that's according to Biden himself. Apparently, Biden hasn't spoken to Netanyahu since December 23rd. Before Biden hung up on that call, Netanyahu had rejected his request that Israel release Palestinian tax revenues that it is currently withholding, which 
Of course, they shouldn't. Why, why would you release tax revenues to terrorist groups, which is what the Palestinian Authority is? The attempt to rehabilitate the Palestinian Authority in the face of Palestinian Authority literally paying terrorists who murder Jews is totally insane. In fact, it's in violation of American law, the Taylor Force Act. It's, it's total, but this is Joe Biden in a nutshell. By the way, the, the, the tender treatment of people who are absolutely Hamas supporters, and many of them violent Hamas supporters, is totally insane inside the United States. So, for example, over the weekend, protesters were outside the White House and they were literally trying to break down White House fences. Looks kind of insurrectionary, but apparently no one no one is going to be seriously arrested or charged with anything you would imagine. I thought this is bad and insurrectionary. It looks like January 6th out there. Break it down. They're screaming, break it down. So, the delightful people. Is it, that's the White House over there. Is them threatening the White House. Don't worry. These are just the people that Joe Biden considers very, very passionate. It is amazing to me that we are having a conversation about how terrible Israel is being against, you know, the people who support actual genocide of Jews, who support the Houthis, who support the suppression of women and the rape of women and the murder of children. It, it, it just remains a source of unending insanity to me. It's, it's just, it's absolutely incredible. By the way, there is an update on uh, the most, th this story is wild. So you remember that a few weeks ago, I mean, Joe Biden literally spoke about this. There was a case where three Arab Muslim students were shot and wounded in Burlington, Vermont. And the media talked about it as the Islamophobic crime of the century, in which Joe Biden actually issued a statement declaring there was absolutely no place for violence or hate in America. This is according to Front Page Mag. The three Muslim men identified as Palestinian, two of them were in Kafiyas and in Kamala, was implying that the shooter was quote-unquote anti-Palestinian. Bernie Sanders did the same thing. And in fact, Bernie Sanders blasted Israel. Okay, there's only one problem with this particular story. Apparently, the American Arab Anti-Discrimination Committee falsely claimed that the man shouted and harassed the victims then proceeded to shoot them. We have reason to believe the shooting occurred because the victim are Arab. In reality, they'd been shot by a local resident outside his house who didn't say a word. The three Muslim men were returning from a ho home from a party on Saturday night when James J. Eaton, a local resident with a history of mental instability, stumbled out of a white clapboard house on the residential street and without a word fired four shots at the three men. Eaton had been described as, quote, that hippie guy and progressive, an organic farmer who had posted a meme with a definition of America with a K that called it the worst sense of the United States, i.e. imperialism, corruption, and the global exportation of American culture. Not only that, he supported Hamas. On December 6th, a local news outlet known for breaking stories about local politics, revealed Eaton had tweeted, quote, the notion that Hamas is evil for defending their state from occupation is absurd. They are owed a state. Pay up. Responding to an article about a proposed ceasefire, he wrote, what if someone occupied your country? Wouldn't you fight them? So again, this was the story that made national news because in an effort to equate anti-Semitism with Islamophobia, it had to be projected that somehow being pro-Israel means that you're going to go shoot Palestinians in the same way that being pro-Palestinian right now means being pro-Hamas. That separation, it doesn't exist right now because if you are supporting a ceasefire against Hamas, a terrorist group that continues to fire rockets into Israel, that is continuing to hijack and steal humanitarian aid. Again, this is all over tomorrow if Hamas releases the hostages and surrenders. They're doing none of those things. And yet Joe Biden still continues to put his thumb on the scale, even as global anti-Semitism gets worse. Out of Turkey, a story that an Israeli soccer star, he uh, scored a goal and then he held out his hand and on his hand, was written a message of solidarity with the hostages. He was promptly arrested by the government of Turkey. 
The club promptly suspended him. And now he's going to be shipped back to Israel for the great crime of noticing that Hamas is currently holding hostages. So yeah, the world situation gets worse in terms of anti-Semitism. Meanwhile, Biden is running out of patience, not with the terrorists, apparently, but with Netanyahu. Amazing, amazing stuff. Same thing is happening across the West, by the way. There is a, a person who was given a title as one of the 100 most influential people of 2021 by Time magazine. His name is Muhammad El-Kurd. And he is a radical Muslim who lives in East Jerusalem. He and his family have been occupying a, an apartment building in Sheikh Jarrah. You remember that this was a bit of a, a, a flare-up in East Jerusalem. Sheikh Jarrah, this apartment building, was owned by Jews. And then when Jordan took that area of Jerusalem in 1948, the Jews were all expelled, all of them from that area. The building was not actually conveyed to any Jordanian owner. And in 1967, when Israel liberated East Jerusalem, that apartment was then returned to its proper owners because the title had never been changed. All the apartment titles that, did, that were changed, by the way, were left in the hands of the Arab owners. No one owned this apartment, but people continued to occupy the apartment without paying rent for literally dozens of years. And this went all the way up to the Israeli Supreme Court. And there was all sorts of legal contention around it. And then it was treated as though it was some sort of abusive human rights violation when people who don't pay rent on a property they don't own were staying there. In any case, this guy was made into a face of resistance to supposed Israeli settlement or whatever. But who is this guy really? Well, he's a guy who goes and at a protest in London, talks about normalizing massacres and the necessity for it. I dare you to look into the eyes of a Gaza child and tell him that you tried your best. Our day will come. But we must not be complacent. Our day will come, but we must normalize massacres as the status quo. Thank you. We must normalize massacres as the status quo. Excellent stuff there from uh, this, this supposed moderate. But don't worry, Joe Biden is running out of patience in the Middle East. You know, again, this perspective is not going to win him re-election. He thinks it's going to get the progressives on his side. Wrong he is. It, it is not. You know, the American people hate more than pretty much anything else, like anything else. They hate America being perceived as weak. Correctly. Look at Joe Biden's approval rating. What you'll see is that he was in the 50s until the pullout from Afghanistan, at which point he dropped down into the high 30s, low 40s. And he's been there ever since. Joe Biden displaying more world weakness is not going to be his friend. Alrighty, coming up, we're going to get into internecine Republican struggles. Plus, apparently the case against Donald Trump, this RICO case in Georgia, is beginning to collapse, not because of anything legal, but because the prosecutor in that case was uh, stupping one of the other prosecutors in that case. If you're not a member, become a member. Use code Shapiro at checkout for two months free on all annual plans. Click that link in the description and join us. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, Pure Talk believes in American values and that free should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So, 
I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving. 